And so today we are going to conclude the series that we've been in. It's a series that we've titled Chasing Lions. And in this series, what we've been doing is examining the lives of some of King David's mightiest men. And our title for this series comes from the life specifically of one man named Benaiah, who was one of David's mightiest men who went into the lair of a lion and slew it for the purposes of getting past it. And so some of the things that we've learned along the way in the last couple of weeks, and if you haven't listened in on this series, I want to encourage you, go check out our YouTube page, go share it with someone. Come on, the gospel is life-giving, and we need to be uh, stewards of it. We need to not only ingest it, but we need to share it. And so a couple of things that we've learned over the last several weeks is that there's only one way to go through challenges. It's to go straight through them. We can't turn away from them. We have to face them with the might of God. We also learn that challenges really present opportunities. You see, there's always an opportunity in the midst of difficulty, but few are the people that are diligent to seize that opportunity. So don't miss the, the opportunity in the midst of your challenges. We also learn that overcoming challenges takes faithfulness, that while it takes faith to believe in God, it takes faithfulness to do what God is calling us to do, to overcome the barriers before us that stand in the way of the destiny that God has laid up for us. And also we saw that when challenges come, we have to fix our focus, that we can't stay so focused on the problem or get distracted with alternative uh, things in our life so much so that we lose sight of God and what he is calling us to do in the midst of these challenges. And lastly, last week, we learned that uh, we must let go of the challenges before us and the ones that we carry from behind us in the past. Because if not, we'll continue to go in a circle and what we'll actually do is chase after the very things that we're trying to overcome. And so today, as we end our series, we conclude with the topic What's next? Say that with me. What's next? If you're online, go ahead and type that. What's next? I want you to think about that question because the truth is that God wants us to consider what comes after the victory. See, we've learned a lot on how to face challenges and even overcome them. But what do you do after you've overcome? What do you do and where do you go from there? And I want us to look to another portion of scripture concerning one of David's mightiest men. As a matter of fact, his mightiest men of all. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and we're going to start at verse 18. And it starts off by saying that Abishai, the brother of Joab, son of Zariah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as as the three, that's speaking of David's three mightiest men among 600 men who were with him. And so this guy was a pretty big deal. It goes on to say in verse 19, was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. So what we're seeing here is that among David's mightiest men, there were three that were exceptionally valiant, and they were closest to him. But there was another man that arose from outside their ranks. A man who came to be David's mightiest warrior because he exceeded all of his warriors. This guy's name was Abishai. 
And while he was not initially recognized by anyone as one of King David's mightiest warriors, Abishai became David's mightiest warrior as a byproduct of his uh, insight and viewing of the example, the might, and the courage of those that were the mightiest among David already. In other words, what we see is that Abishai was watching. Abishai was learning. And eventually, as we saw, Abishai applied the might and the strength that he witnessed from them because he believed that he too was called to do what God had called him to do, just like he did with these men. And so while it's true that overcoming life's challenges leads us into victory, that is God's will, true victory leads us past our wins so that others can win too. I like the way Maya Angelou once put it. It says, she's, the quote says, if you're going to live, leave a legacy. Make a mark on the world that can't be erased. In other words, use your win so someone else can learn how to win and eventually win too. Isn't that good? Let me give you some scripture for that. Coming from Romans chapter 8, 37. It says, no, in all these things we are, say this with me, more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I know that many of us get excited at reading that because, and hearing that because we say, yes, I am more than a conqueror. I believe that. I want to believe that. I'm holding on to that promise. I'm believing that God's going to bring me through. And I want you to see something about this scripture, that your life is one that is marked with victory and that you are called a victor. But you see, God hasn't simply named you a conqueror. He calls you and I more than a conqueror because your victories and mine must extend past ourselves. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Our victories must touch. Our victories must teach. Our victories must uplift others into victory. Abishai's ascent, his climb to become the mightiest of all David's men, his victory over 300 men teaches us a valuable lesson. It's this, that what you leave behind isn't as important as what you weave into the lives of others. I'm going to say that again because that's, that's real good. Listen to this. What you leave behind isn't as important as what you weave into the lives of others. See, our victory is meant to carry into the lives of others. And so where do we go from here? What are we supposed to do with our victories? How do we translate these things into the lives of others? How do we encourage others to be more than conquerors and extend their victories into the lives of others? A, a ripple effect where the gospel and the power of God goes forward and continues to extend into all the world. Well, I want to give you a few things to consider if we are really to do that, if we're to determine where we go from here. And the first thing that I want to encourage your faith with today is that the true measure of victory is influence. Now, I know that seems apparent from what we've said already, but I want you to consider that statement. The true measure of victory is influence. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14. He says, you, come on, somebody say, that's me. 
Jesus is talking to you. Say this with me. That's me. Listen, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. Watch this. And glorify your Father in heaven. So according to the words of Jesus, we see that people aren't changed by what we say. They're changed by the light that they see through us. I want you to consider this, that your example, how you respond to challenges and what you do with your victories after you've overcome those challenges, that example matters. It makes a difference. And I find it interesting that Jesus references light in order to teach us in this regard. You see, light is powerful. Light it opens the eye. Literally, if you flash a light directly into your eyes, what you'll see is that your pupils open for one reason and one reason only. To give you the ability to clearly see what's before you. And so light literally opens the eye. It illuminates our surroundings. It shows us what's going on around us, what's moving, pitfalls, uh, different paths to take. And lastly, it also shows us, it gives us the ability to uh, do away with darkness. You ever thought about this? When you flip a switch, darkness flees. Now, I'll tell you why I share these things with you. And you've got to write this down and you've got to internalize this statement. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, I know some of you are looking at yourself and thinking, who, me? Yes, you. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are how Christ is revealed to the world they, so that they can see who the Savior is. And as such, our lives carry the potential to open the eyes of those who are blind to Jesus as their Savior. Our lives carry the potential to be an example unto others to the extent that their current state of mind and condition becomes uh, enlightened to them where they say, wow, I need God. Why? Because they see how God has changed you from within, how your mind has changed, how your state has changed, how the conditions around you have changed. Our lives, give, our lives carry the potential to shine so brightly that it pushes out darkness because the light within us opens doors of influence for us to shine Christ and bring solutions. It's the reason why you, Church at the Bridge, are invited to the table in the city of Newburgh. It's the reason why you, Church at the Bridge, are welcomed by people who are unbelievers and asked to help them to bring solutions into this community and beyond. It's the reason why you, Church at the Bridge, are shining a light and showing the way that God can come into any place of darkness and bring light and change lives. Come on, somebody, give God some praise, and let's raise our praise. Let's thank God for using us, for calling us to be a light, and for shining through us. And so 
if we're not using our testimony, our victories, to help someone who's undergoing their own testing, here's the reality. You may win over some obstacles, but you don't have a victory. I'll tell you why I say that. Because while you may win, uh, uh, you may win and overcome an obstacle, uh, you haven't won a victory because you're not reflecting the light of Jesus. Instead, you're doing what, uh, 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 something else that happens with light. You're refracting it. You can either intake light and reflect it like a mirror, or you can be a piece of glass, so to speak, and have the light come into you, but you bend it and it goes another way. See, when we live uh, in, in our love for God and we understand that our victories aren't ours, what we begin to do is reflect the light of Christ and shine brightly instead of taking that light and bending it and it, it doesn't enlighten anyone. The next point I want to leave you with here is that your brave is someone else's breakthrough. I'm going to say that again. Your brave is someone else's breakthrough. Listen, the way you approach challenges and the courage with which you overcome makes a difference. Believe it or not, someone is always watching you. There's always someone learning from you. Uh, you know, following your example and even taking from your example, whether it's good or it's bad. You see, Abishai may have been unknown at one point, but here's what we know. Abishai, he was watching the bravery, the determination, and the faith of David's mightiest men. In other words, he was taking notes. He was learning and saying, ah, this is how you're courageous. This is how you step out in faith. Ah, this is how you operate in wisdom. This is when you seek God. This is what God would have me do. This is how you worship God after your victories. This is how you walk in the glory and the goodness of God. So great were the lessons that Abishai gleaned from their lives that the scripture tells us that when he was faced with 300 enemy warriors, he did not run. He did not make excuses, and he did not look for an escape route. Instead, he embraced the moment, he picked up his spear, and he went forward. Why? Because he was prepared for the battle through the, through the blueprint that others modeled for him. He had an example. You know, it reminds me of a man named Joshua Haldeman that I read about. This guy was from a place called Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Canada. It's the western part of Canada. And this guy grew up in his younger years. His very first job uh, was uh, breaking in wild broncos. And while doing that for many years as a young man into his young adulthood years, he learned some skills. So much so that he was the one who initiated and, organizes and organized Canada's very first rodeos. And so Haldeman uh, was doing really well. He became very wealthy. He acquired many lands uh, for all his uh, broncos and all his animals. But when the Great Depression hit Canada, he lost everything. He lost everything. And so what do you do when you've lost everything? What do you do in the face of a challenge? 
Well, according to history, Joshua Haldeman tried his hand at chiropractic medicine. And then he went on to politics. That didn't work either. And then he discovered his passion. It was flying airplanes. And so in 1950, Haldeman did something unthinkable. He uprooted his family, and he moved halfway around the world to South Africa, a place he had never even been to. And with the help of his wife, Winifred, and their children, he disassembled his 1948 single-engine Belanca Cruiser plane. And the airplane was packed into crates, and they shipped it to South Africa. And when they got there, him and his family, they reassembled it. Well, a few years later, Joshua and Winifred Haldeman, they embarked on a 30,000-mile round-trip flight from Africa to Australia and back. It's said that it's believed that they are the only private pilots to have ever made the flight in a single-engine airplane. And as a comparison point, Charles Lindenberg's legendary transatlantic flight in 1927 was only 3,600 miles. 27 years later, the Haldemans flew more than eight times as far. Now, few people have ever heard of Joshua and Winifred Haldeman. But I bet you've heard of their grandson, Elon, Elon Musk. See, Musk's entre entrepreneurial exploits are well recorded. They're well documented. He has turned the automotive, the, the automotive and the aerospace industries upside down. He's even ruffled feathers along the way. He has a headquarters that's called SpaceX, and there, there are two giant posters of Mars. One shows a cold, barren planet. The other shows uh, a, 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 a planet that is inhabited that much looks like Earth. His, he dreams of one day being able to colonize Mars. Now, if that's not shooting for the moon, I don't know what is. But here's something to consider. How does someone even conceptualize colonizing a planet in the nonfiction sense kind of way? Who dreams of interplanetary living? Living on another planet. And I want to propose to you that dreams are not conceived in a vacuum. For better or for worse, dreams are born because of someone else's story. What's my point with that? Simply put, every move you make and every step of faith that you take and every celebratory opportunity you take to celebrate what God has done and how he's brought you through, at every step of the way, you are literally setting the stage for someone else who is learning from your journey in Christ. They're learning to dream bigger. They're learning to see long past their present challenges. What I'm encouraging you to realize is that how you respond to these challenges, and if you are brave, encourages the bravery and the faith of another. The book of Mark records a time when Jesus delivered a man that the scripture says was de demonically possessed. This man was such a terror to the region that he was around that they tried to chain him 
and he would break the chains. He would uh, walk around naked at night, howling among graves and cutting himself. And so people were definitely afraid of this man. And the scripture says that one day Jesus showed up on the scene and that Jesus cast out the demons that were in him and delivered this man. And the scripture records that after this point, this man wanted to follow Jesus. He begged him, let me go with you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. But there was something of greater importance to Jesus than this man following him around with his story. See, Jesus wanted him to do something with his breakthrough. And this man took to heart what Jesus instructed him. Listen to what he did in response to Jesus' desire in Mark chapter 5, verse 20. It says, So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis. That means that he went to 10 different cities in that region. And so he went to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. I want you to consider this. That we are not to waste our victories by hiding them. No. My friends, I want you to consider that your victory, your testimony, not where you were at, but what God has brought you to. Sometimes we focus on where we've been at so much that the victory really sounds like a defeat because the only thing we're telling people is the junk from our past. But your testimony is not where you were. Your testimony is where you are today in Christ. Come on, give God some praise for that. Hasn't God been good to you? Aren't you celebrating the power of God that has brought you through and is bringing you through now and will bring you through forevermore? God is faithful. And so I want to encourage you not to waste your victories by hiding them. Instead, live your faith openly. Express the goodness of God and share the victories and what God is doing in your life openly. Tell people of the goodness of God because then not only will, be, will they be amazed, they'll be changed. See, don't make the mistake in thinking that your testimony is useless, that your victory is simply yours. No, your victory belongs to another. Why not share it? The last point that I want to leave you with here today is don't stop learning and growing. There are more obstacles to face and victories to be had. Let me say that again. Don't stop learning and growing. There are more obstacles to face and victories to be had. Abishai learned from the best, from the very best. So much so that he went on to have a great victory, a victory that caught the attention of many. And so if you look at Abishai's life, what you'll see is that he did not stay stuck in this victory when he overcame 300 men. In fact, he kept going on. And if you study the life of King David, you'll see that Abishai grew to be a fierce warrior who willingly stepped up many times to face many of David's enemies. In other words, Abishai grew to be a great warrior. And eventually, he became David's most trusted warrior, the one who led his greatest warriors. We should note that this progression of growth happened as Abishai went from victory 
to victory. You know, you may have overcome some things up until this point. You may be reveling in the throes of a victory right now. But may I remind you that you are not done winning. I got to say that again. Because you need to hear that what, what, the, what, what God wants you to understand. How God is encouraging your faith. The next level that God's trying to take you to. God wants you and I to understand that we are not done winning. Because we're not done facing the lions of life. We're not done learning and growing. I love what Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says. It says, for in it, speaking of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So what is the scripture telling us? It's telling us that all that is right about God and about his plan for our lives is revealed in this gospel. But watch the impact that that's supposed to have in us. It says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, the gospel reveals to us God's righteousness and his ways, but it's not simply for our benefit. The greatest benefit of everything that God has revealed to us through the scriptures, how it's brought us through, the greatest benefit of it all is when it causes us to grow to the extent that we take another step of faith. And I'm going to tell you something. There are people that are following in your footsteps. They're not following you as Christ, but they're watching the model working itself out through your life, and they're seeking to go where you're going, to know Christ, to grow in Christ, to be useful in the kingdom of God, to make a difference with your life. It's the reason why the scripture says we go from faith to faith. See, faith is a progressive walk. And let me teach you something about faith while we're at it, as we come to a close. I want you to join me and stand. And as you're standing, and hey, if you're home, I want you to do that with us too. Whether you're in the Bronx, whether you're in Georgia, whether you're in North Carolina, whether you're watching from another state, hey, if you are and we don't, we, you, you haven't connected with us yet, make sure you comment, make sure you let us know, make sure you message us. But wherever you are, even if you're catching this after the fact, you're watching it on a replay or somebody's sharing this with you, I want you to stand. But here's what I want you to realize. That if all you do is stand in your victory and never take a step of faith forward to your next level, your next step of faith, your next challenge and the victory that it promises, if you never take a step, here's what you're not doing. You're not going from where you were in faith to where God is trying to take you with faith. Isn't that good? See, God wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. And there are times when we look upon ourselves based upon our mistakes, based upon our fears, based upon the challenges we see. My friend, I'm telling you, those are all alternatives seeking to rob you from the place of faith, seeking to take you from the moment that you have right now 
where God is inviting you to go to a next level of faith, where he's inviting you to what's next. Another step in glory, another step in strength, another step in growth, another step towards the greater things that God has for you. My friend, you're not done. It's time to take a next step. As we come to a close today, I want to take a moment to just pray over you, to declare what the Word of God says about each and every one of us, that we are created to go from faith to faith, that we are created to go from one measure of glory to the next measure of glory. And so, Father, I thank you today. Come on, let's raise our hands in receptivity to God. Let's raise our hands in praise to God. Let's raise our hands in surrender to God. Man, maybe you've been holding on to some weights. Maybe you've been trying to do it on your own. Today, raise your hands as your declaration before God and as a sign to every host of the enemy that you are walking in freedom, that you are letting those things go, and you are taking a hold of God, and you are stepping into a next level of faith. Father, I declare according to your word that we are a strong people that we are a people that are destined to go to next things because your word declares that you determined beforehand that we were created for good works and so I thank you father for the release of new opportunities I thank you Lord that your people are stepping into lands that they did not uh, that they did not uh, build but that they're stepping into it and it's theirs and they are walking in victory father I thank you oh God that we are a blessed people and because we are a blessed people and you are for us who can be against us and so Lord we just celebrate what you are doing in our lives we are excited about the future because your word tells us that you've given us a hope and a good future that Lord in the future that you give us that it's not to harm us but it's to lead us into your very best we are blessed we thank you for that father now it's very possible there's someone here today maybe you're joining us online maybe you're here in the house maybe you're catching this as you're viewing this video on another day, whoever you are, whatever your circumstance is, I want you to see something, that God loves you and I so much that he gives us truth in his word to reveal to us that we're not meant to be stuck, that there's always a next step. Maybe you've felt like there's no next step for you. Maybe you felt like this is my lot in life. A life full of challenges. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's drama in your home. Maybe it's broken relationships. Maybe it's suffering loss after loss. You've gone from tragedy to tragedy. Maybe you've just, you're just living with disappointment and that just feels normal. Maybe it's depression. My friend, I want you to see that whatever it is, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever weights you've carried, God wants you to be free. He wants you to take the next step. What's that next step? It's trusting God and walking through life by faith with Him. It's not leaning any longer on people, leaning any longer on troubles, leaning any longer on the past. See, as long as you're leaning on those things, you're headed in the wrong direction. You're relying on the wrong support system. No, God wants you to lean on his understanding, to trust his ways. 
And as you do, my friend, the scripture says this, that if you will put your trust in him, that he will establish the path ahead of you, that he will lead you according to his ways, good ways. So how do you take that next step? Well, it starts by understanding that God took the very first step. The scripture says that he loved you and I so much that he loved the entire world to such an extent that he gave his one and only son to die for us. Why would God do that? It's because there was a penalty, a payment due for sin. The scripture puts it this way. The wages of sin, the payment due for sin is death. But then it goes on to say, but the free gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. And what I want you to see is this, that Jesus paid the price for sin, not for our behavior, not for the things we do wrong. See, there's a root to those symptoms. It's sin. And Jesus paid the price, paid the penalty that was due for sin so that God could no longer have to hold against us that weight. See, sin has been paid for, which means you are free to know God. You are free to break free from your past. You are free to let go of addiction. You are free to begin to overcome. You are free to begin to see yourself differently. And if today you will accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then here's what happens. Not only will that past die, but the scripture says that you will step into a new life. And that new life is guaranteed to you because Jesus rose from the dead so that you can rise from those dead places in your life. If you believe that with us today, congregation, let's join together and let's pray this. And if you pray this today, I want you to do something. If that's where you are, whether you're in the house or you're online, I want you to raise your hands unto God. I want you to be bold with your faith. If you're online, I want you to declare it online and let us know of the decision you're making. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died for me and you rose again because you love me. Today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I thank you for a new life. I'm looking forward to what's next. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.